And welcome back in Sports Pub Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Hope you're having a great start to your 2020, 2021, I should say, excuse me, campaign here as we enter into March. Spring is right around the corner. I know much of the country is uh, still battling those colder elements, snow on the ground, but I can tell you, I'm here in Florida. My guest this week is here in Florida and the sun is out and it's starting to heat up a little bit, right? We're starting to get into like these high seventies, low eighties, and it's going to spread across the country here real soon. And we're going to be playing some golf. My guest this week, uh, well, he's played a lot of golf, a lot of really good golf uh, in his time over the years. He's uh, just turned 50. He's going to be hopefully getting out there on PJ tour champions uh, here soon. Uh, but uh, he's one of been, he's been really one of the great personalities of the game for a long time, three-time winner on the PGA Tour, including the 2002 PGA Championship, where he fended off the man himself during his prime, Tiger Woods. We'll get to that. But joining me now, Rich Beam, thank you, man, for uh, taking the time. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Travis. My pleasure. So there's a lot I want to ask you, right? And, of course, you and I have known each other uh, for a long time as uh, your wife grew up. 30 minutes from where I did in Northern Idaho, as it, as it comes to find out, right? Such a small world. We'll get to that another time, but yeah. it's Arnold Palmer week this week, uh, down there in Orlando. I know that you're there and uh, yeah. this is a special week because this is the King, uh, at Bay Hill. You've played the tournament. Uh, I'm sure you've met Arnie and, uh, how did that go for you? Uh, hanging with the King a little bit. You know, first of all, thanks for having me, Trav, but, um, you know, I didn't hang out as much with him as I should have. I think, I think that, that Arnie was one of these figures that, that I was so intimidated by that I didn't want to waste his time by going up and introducing myself, you know, little old me when I did actually play in his tournament, I think the first time in 2000 and I met him a few times and but we never sat and, and chatted and and shot the breeze. And the more stories that I hear about him, as I've gotten older and and whatnot, the man um, enjoyed a little cocktail. <laughs> and I'm an expert in that, uh, enjoying life and having a having a libation or few. And so I, I messed up. I never took the time to really, to really kind of introduce myself. And I think that's just kind of my MO a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. unless I kind of know somebody that well. And, you know, it's funny, people think that I have this gregarious personality and whatnot, but, you know, I, I do when there's nobody else around, like right now, and I can talk about this, but, you know, I'm not going to walk up to, to Mr. Palmer and, you know, just kind of boastfully go in and, you know, say, Hey, how you doing? And this and that I, I never, I never did. I kind of wish I would have, or I wish I would have gotten to know somebody to introduce me, but yeah, what a, what a great, great character. He was just, uh, he was an awesome guy. And the, and the more stories you hear about him, um, it, it's just, man, I just, I messed up. I, I needed to take a, I needed to take care of an opportunity that I let go, but, uh, listen, he, he's the, he was the man and 
everything about this week is awfully special. The, all the tributes to him and everything else, as you'd expect, it's first class around here at Bay Hill. Yeah, and you know, I think for him, he he liked to have what a little kettle one, I think, a little kettle one and yeah. and tonic, yeah. I believe, it was kind of his drink. What what that uh, was his drink, yeah. what, what's what was what was your go to back in the day, and has it changed? Oh, back back in the day, it was it was Jack and Coke. I mean, it was just let's just go full on, just put the worst thing in your body as possible. <laughs> Not like any of it's good, but I mean, that was just that was just instant kerosene fire, letter rip kind of kind of stuff. But uh, I've mellowed out. I mean, you know, I drink just a little bit of beer here and there, and then uh, then vodka. I'm still like vodka sodas and whatnot. Um, that's just kind of pretty steady until, until, uh, bourbon season, which is November oh. 1st through December 31st. Then I can have a little bourbon, but my wife doesn't really like bourbon season at all. So I try and keep that to a minimum these days that's instead, good. Of, instead of 12 months, instead of 12, instead of 12 months, maybe just two months, but you know, funny enough, it's, it's all kind of perception reality. I mean, I talk about it and I'm not afraid to say, listen, I'm, I like to have a I like to have a drink, but I think gone are the days that uh, I, I have way too many. I've kind of hit a limit these days where I know you know what that's about enough. I want to make sure I wake up tomorrow morning and not feel like complete uh, like complete crap. But I'm not afraid to have one, and I'm not afraid to talk about it and let folks know that hey, listen. We get uh, we get one crack at this life. Let's go ahead and have some fun with it. Yeah, we and and we've had some fun uh, over the years, and and you know the tour has changed. You know, on this podcast, I had, uh, I had Lanny Watkins on, uh, about a month ago. Yeah. And, and he was just talking about how the sports psychologist when he played was the bartender, you know, they just, oh. they got done playing and they would go have a beer and they would just sit there and talk for a couple hours and some would stay longer than others. And of course now the tour <laughs> couldn't be further from that. I mean, you just, you know, you just, you're just not getting that, but yeah, it was, it, I think it, it, instead of the bartender, I think it was more like he was talking to that guy, Jack Daniels. It was, no. it was kind of staring him right back in the, <laughs> right back between the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, it's interesting. And I want to ask you this because in, when you came on tour, um, I think your rookie season was 1999 and, and this is now we're getting into the tiger era, right? Where everything really started the change was, what was it like on tour? Was it in 99? Was it more, was there a 19th hole per se when you got on tour or was it already changed? Um, I, I, I was hoping that there would have been, but that wasn't really the case anymore. There was a couple of events out on tour where, where, yeah, there was the, uh, there was a 19th hole right there close by. In fact, a couple of them were, I think the best one of all time would have been at Castle Pines where you had um, Tommy um, and I'm forgetting the other guy's name and I'm just, I'm, I'm ruining myself. He's now at whisper rock, but, but Tommy, who was there for as long as I can remember, and he was probably there 30 years before that. I mean, you walk into the clubhouse and as soon as he understood what you wanted to drink, you'd come back in and there'd be one waiting for you. And that was kind of the only place that I really knew of that when you get done playing the locker rooms right there, you got a guy that, you know, if you wanted a cocktail, there you go, you know, maybe Memorial, but it, wasn't kind of you'd have to kind of search it out just a little bit but um no that was kind of the the but when it was kind of going bye-bye i think tiger was at the moment he was starting to to uh start to kick everybody in the teeth a little bit and i think that's when sports psychologists kind of came in the mix and say guys if you want to beat this guy this is what you're gonna have to do and differently i think bob rotello was obviously the first and probably the the foremost in there. And then you had a bunch of guys coming in and after him, but um, 
yeah, that's when I think everybody started looking at at golf just a little bit differently. Then the prize money goes up, and then it becomes a business and and things like that. But yeah, I kind of uh, I kind of missed out on the 19th old generation by uh, by at least one generation, if not uh, two solid ones. But you know, I think you you make it your own. You when I get done, I you still go out and I'll, I'll have dinner and, and and a beer or something like that. But I just I've never been one to even though I had a sports psychologist. Um, I, I still thought, you know what, I can't change everything about who I am because that's, I'm doing it the wrong way mm-hmm. and you have to be true to who you are and what's inside of you. And, and so I think after a while, it's like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta just, not that I'm out partying every night, but instead of going out to the driving range and beating balls and this and that, I gotta go just blow off some steam because it's a, it can be a stressful time and, and a lot of stressful situations and getting away from it all is, uh, is necessary. What, what, what in the hell did John Daly do then during that time? I mean, he, if oh, it he, was, if it was changing, like, where did he go? And did you, were, were you guys ever like bumping into each other? Oh, listen, JD, JD just, he had his bust out. Listen, <laughs> if you went over to JD's bus, you were kind of labeled like, Oh boy, there goes, there goes Beamer in a Daly's bus. I wonder if he's going to come out before Friday afternoon. <laughs> um, and this will be on a Tuesday, right? You know, JD's bus was kind of JD's bus. And JD was just, he's, he was, uh, he's never going to change. And no matter all the way through it, he hasn't changed one bit. Had that stint there where, where uh, Ely Calloway, um, you know, took care of him, got him, got him sober. But I think just after a while, you know, John just, he, he had to be himself again. And, um, you know, as reckless as it probably has been a few times, that's just who John is. John's not ever, he was never gonna be one of these boring guys that was just going to go out there and hit balls in practice and, and do the things the way that, that others did it. And I think he got shunned uh, a lot of that. And I mean, obviously a hell of a talent, um, you know, two majors and, mm-hmm. and I don't know, like six other, six other tour titles, but yeah, I mean, John probably could have achieved, uh, you know, many more events, but I just don't think that was in his DNA to do that. I just think that that once you kind of have a lot of success early, like JD did it, uh, I think that I don't, I don't think he changed at all. It just made his, his legend grow exponentially wider, but JD was always a, a great dude to me. I remember when I first met him in 1999, my rookie year on tour, and I, I've been watching JD since he won the PGA and was in 91. And I'm like, man, this guy's awesome. And then the 95 open, I remember working inside the uh, pro shop up in uh, South Dakota, watching him win that. And, um, and so I got a chance to play with him in San Diego. Uh, I, I literally just kind of happened to be out there. And he got him. I think it was a Monday. And he says, Tuesday, play practice around with me. I'm like, uh, Yeah. So it was myself, Ben Bates, uh, Fulton Allen, and John Daly. We get on the first hole, and I say, "All right, closest two in the middle, closest two in the fairway are partners." And I'm like, "I don't care wherever JD hits it. I'm hitting it as close to him as possible." <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out that JD and I did pair up, and it was like, and it was a hundred a hole with automatic one down. Mm. And so by the time we get around to 17 and 18, I mean, there's, I think there's eight or nine presses going one, zero, one, one, zero, one. I mean, it was just, it was, it was like binary code. I feel like <laughs> I have no idea which way this is going to go. We ended up winning the last hole flipped. And I think we ended up winning like either four, 500 bucks, something like that. And that was my first taste of, of JD. And it was also the first time that I had ever been so nervous on every single shot for 18 holes. 
that it probably taught me more about when I got into contention for the first time in the camp room. Like, yeah, this doesn't really feel nearly as bad as it did when I was playing with John. <laughs> so, so this was before you, you won the camper when you were doing oh, this. Yeah, so this was my, I think this was my third tour start. Okay. I think this was my third start on the, on the PGA tour was in, um, was in San Diego mm. and going out there and, and uh, playing with him, and it was it was awesome. I had a I had the time of my life. It was it was amazing, and and just he is larger than life, and he is a genuinely good guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell you, you know, I, I I love him to death. I know that he still does some stuff where you're just like, John, come on, slow down just a little bit. Come on, let's see you, let's see you kind of you know cross the finish line when you're supposed to, not before then. And and um, but I I, I I always have a good time whenever I play with him. We always catch up and, and uh, it's, he's been a, a good friend for many years. So Tiger started to change the the landscape there. 99 course, 2000, here he comes, you know, some of the most dominant golf. Well, the most dominant golf probably um, that we've ever seen here over this next stretch of time. But 2002, allow me to take you back. Um, little tournament called the PGA at Hazeltine. Um, that was a pretty memorable week for you, but I, I as I understand, things kind of got started a little earlier, right? Like on a Tuesday, didn't you guys have like a, there was a big money game even before we, you just uh, swept the field? It was, um, it, it was, there was back then, there was nobody playing practice rounds with the exception of maybe the Spaniards. Mm. And that would have been, I don't, Sevy wasn't playing then, I don't believe, but it would Ali, Miguel on Jimenez. I mean, you, the, the Spaniards usually had a foursome going out at most of the majors. And, and, but other than that, nobody played in more than two sums and maybe three sums after a while. Well, we've show up on Tuesday morning at like 10, 10 30. We got a five sum. It's Fuzzy Zeller who had just won the senior PGA the year before, or maybe no earlier that summer. So he got in there and then it was, Robert Gomez, Pat Perez, Daly, and me going out there in a five ball. And we were waiting on every single shot on the threesome in front of us. And I don't think, uh, I don't think there was, I know that I kind of like to talk, um, (laughs) but these guys, I just listened. I mean, Pat Perez can flat out out talk any human being a (laughs) lot. And I just sit there and listen and laugh and just, you know, just soak it all in. And, and it was, it was fun. Cause you know, fuzzy is fuzzy. I mean, he's, you know, you kind of always have to pay homage to him. He was, he, he was kind of the original laid back guy as far as I can remember on tour with the sunglasses and waving the towel and, um, and then taking the hat off of Norman at the players championship and all that. But, you know, Fuzzy was the original guy who could flat out play, but looked like he was having fun and enjoying doing it without, uh, without sweating too much, even though I, I know that it was, but it was, it was so much fun. It just put me in a great frame of mind. Like this is, this is fun. This is how it should be. And I had won uh, two weeks prior at uh, Castle Pines. So my game was in good shape, but just to go out there with those guys and, and not get caught up in all the hoopla at a, at a major championship, boy, that was, that was a blast. That was so much fun. And uh, there might've been a little wagering in there. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. I don't remember the outcome, but, uh, but that, that truly is not the important. The important thing is that I, I, I remember that practice round probably as much as I remember the four days that I played there. It was just a blast. Wow. What a week. Cause then you go out, you win the PGA, 
um, as you mentioned, Castle Pines, uh, you, or no, at Castle Rock, right? The international you won back in 2002, which was two weeks before the PGA. And then, um, then you win the PGA and here comes a guy by the name of Tiger Woods birdies, the last four holes, but it wasn't enough because uh, you held him off by one shot. I mean, what was that like? I mean, Rich, I mean, you look back on that. I mean, Tiger in his day, dominant, and you beat him at the PGA Championship. I mean, you just had to feel like you're on top of the world. Oh, I, there's no doubt. I felt like I was on top of the world. And I, you know, it, it was it was a pretty amazing stretch of golf. I, 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 I've always been a streaky player. And so when things started going my way, I tended not to get in, get in my own way. I mean, I, mean, I just never, it, it never, when things were going well, like on Wednesday, of, of PGA week. I think I went out to the golf course for maybe, and I'm, I'm probably over guessing this pro- maybe 90 minutes. Maybe I went out there, hit a few golf balls. I chipped for a few minutes. I putted. I'm like, I'm bored. Let's get out of here. I'm like, I don't want to play golf right now. It's <laughs> there's nothing for me to work on. There really wasn't anything for me to work on because I was, I was playing so well that what's the point of going out and, and hitting a, a bunch of golf balls and, and, and practicing when everything's in, in good working order. So we, we bailed out my caddy and I, he went to go play golf across town. I went, uh, I went to the mall of America with my wife and probably spent some of that, uh, castle pines money. And it was, you know, I, like I said, thankfully I, I was one of those guys that got out of my own way when I was playing well, I didn't overthink things. And to be fair, when I was right in the mix of it, I really wasn't worried about what Tiger was doing. I was more worried about what I was doing. So that helped out quite a bit. I've listened to so many guys on podcasts. I was just listening to one with the Padraig Harrington and they would talk about Tiger and, and they, they were always looking for his name. And, mm. you know, it's not that I wasn't looking for his name, but you almost expected it there anyway. So what are you going to do about it? Are you, am I going to sweat it out that he's, that he's in the mix alongside with me. I mean, there's nothing I can do about him being in there. I mean, you, you, I mean, every single major in 2002, he was right in the middle of, with the exception of um, the open championship at Muirfield when he got blown out in the third round. He just got a, he didn't play great the first few days and caught some seriously bad weather on, on Saturday morning. But beyond that, I mean, he'd won the first two. So you kind of expected him to be there. Mm-hmm. You didn't expect him to be there. They're naive. But, um, you know, it, it's not my job to take care of what Tiger's doing. It's my job to take care of what I was doing. And right then and there, I was playing really well. So I just, I didn't really concentrate on him. I didn't think about him. And, and I think that's what kind of made me a little bit different than a lot of the other players. They would always go out there and think about him and watch the leaderboard. And of course I saw his name, but I also saw my name. I saw Justin Leonard's name. I saw Chris Riley's name, Fred Funk's name. So I don't know. I just, people think that I'm either dumb or I'm lying or whatever. I'm like, no, I promise you. I, I really wasn't paying attention to what he was doing. I was, I was in, I was such in my own little world that, and having so much fun and being nervous at the same time that it just, uh, it worked out for me. Who are some of the characters back there? Take us back into that era. Um, like give us a couple names that are just like, man, that dude is funny. Like back in the day when you were running on tour, late nineties, early two thousands. I mean, Perez was, was a talker, right? We know that JD was was funny. Yeah, he was funny. He was Ben Bates. You know, he was, he was a super funny guy. He was out there for a little bit. Um, 
you know, John McGinnis, mm. who mm-hmm. has a radio show. Uh, John McGinnis was one of those funny guys, dry witted guys. You know, funny enough, I, I wish I could tell you a lot more, but like I said, it was it was kind of at the beginning of that era where guys were they were trying to take it a lot more seriously. Mm-hmm. And so I think some of the personalities got squashed out there. And and if you were out there um, quote unquote having fun and yucking it up and this and that, that means you weren't focused on what you were doing and and you were trying to trying to do things that maybe weren't that didn't come naturally to you and so a lot of times at the golf course you just wouldn't see a lot of the uh the personalities i mean i'm sure i'm drawing a blank on some of these guys too travis so don't <laughs> yeah but i think uh, you, but i think you make a good point like the what tiger did into the culture of tour life uh, right like he completely changed it to the point where if you're someone who wants to go off and blow a little steam off like you said like you would and have some of that interaction with some other people like the perception of that probably wouldn't have looked good where it's like oh hey there he is they're having a couple beers till eight o'clock and the reality is is well gosh we're just going home anyway right after this so you were maybe fearful of that and then i spin that forward to matthew wolf right now rich who you know, as a young man who is having a hard time in this COVID world, like kind of finding his way as, you know, being able to just kind of be a young man when, you know, they got to go play and then they got to go back and just stay in the room, right? He can't, you know, it's all, it's all sacrifice. I get that. But I think in some ways you could probably be sympathetic to that a little bit that a young man, you know, 21, 22 years of age, man, Go play, go back to your room. Go play, go back to your room. Matthew Wolf's kind of a bubbly guy. He likes to have, you know, he likes to mix it up a little bit. I'm not saying he's going to go out and have a couple beers. You know what I'm saying? He just, he likes to have that interaction. And boy, it's, it's kind of frowned upon, right? I mean, that's a real thing. That's a, that's definitely a real thing. And and that was definitely the real thing back in the, you know, early 2000s. If, you know, I was, I was labeled a, a partier out there and, hell probably for damn good reason too you know why because listen i can't do this i can't go out there and work that hard and and do do everything that tiger did and some of the other great players did you know there was always a time to to just not think about golf to get away from it all some guys would be able to go fishing some guys like to do hunting some guys would do other things me, I like hanging out with my friends and having a few barley pops and telling <laughs> stories and laughing and giggling and, you know, going to the beach, you know, going mm-hmm. anywhere. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that, that Matt Wolf, if, he, if that's how he feels right now, then I, I think that he's probably, listen, I'm, if you think that every single tour player is going back to their hotel room and not doing anything uh, to stay out of the COVID and being under the COVID protocols, then I think you're being naive there. That doesn't happen, especially in Florida where hell you can go into any restaurant here and not wear a mask right now. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's all how you kind of think about the world. Like my, my view of the world right now is that I've had COVID. I understand that it's, it's no fun. I, I guarantee it's not fun. And I sympathize with all the folks that, that have lost loved ones and, and everybody like that. And I'm sure some of your listeners will not like what I have to say, but listen, we got to get on with this. We have to get on with our lives because we're, we're beginning to lose focus that we need to, we need to enjoy other people's company. We need humor, human interaction. 
we need all that. Now, if you're, if their families are susceptible and things like that, my, you know, I haven't seen my mom in close to two years now. Um, for, well, not quite two years, but it's been certainly 12 months just since I've been able to see her because, because of COVID. And, and I don't know, I just, I'm tired of it. And I keep threatening to come over and see her. And she's like, no, no, don't come, don't come. I'm like, I'm like, I have to see you, mom. I'm sorry, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'll, I'll show up in a hazmat suit. I just want to see you mm-hmm. <laughs> do anything. And so I, I think if Matt Wolf is looking at it where he doesn't feel like he can do anything and maybe because it's, once again, you got a, a situation where everything is frowned on and you're not supposed to do it. Well, you know, it, I just don't see every single tour player doing it. And I guarantee it, not every single caddy is following protocol to the nth degree. I think they did it first, but I don't think that's the reality of the situation anymore. And I just hope that we're able to kind of get past this a little bit. But if, if Matt Wolf is doing all that and not enjoying himself, then I think that, yeah, that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. There's no, That's a real thing. But I also believe that if that's what's holding him back, then you know what, Matt, you, you, I think you got another couple of years or at least one more year on your exemption. Take some time off and go have fun go live your life now because you can, you don't have to play golf each and every week. You don't have to do that. You can go do something else. You've actually earned enough money, Matt, where you don't have to contractually. Yeah, you probably do on some things, but, but um, you know, there, there's a balance out there for him. He just has to find it. He, it's not, it's not so strict out there. I, I believe Travis that you, you can't live your life. You can't do everything you want to do. I mean, that's part of the, you know, that's part, part of the social protocol. You can't do everything you want to do, but you can still do enough. Yeah. And they're making so much money, right? In today's, of course, you know, in today's a, game that we finished runner up at the U S open. And that must've been with what, one and a half million dollars, yeah. something like that. The first, I mean, I was looking earlier, you know, Tigers won API eight times. His first time he won it, he made 500,000. Um, yeah. Last year, Terrell made 1.6 million. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and that's just back in Tiger in the first year um, that he won it. So you go back further than that. So, I mean, they're making a lot of money, um, but it is a real thing. I mean, it really is a real thing. And I think with golf, that's what I struggle with sometimes. I think, the personalities sometimes are suppressed down and I like to see the personalities, um, we need coming it. out. Yeah, you do need it. You know, you do need to come out in a little bit cause it's fun and it's energetic and it's, you know, you, you pump energy like yourself into people, um, because you're just living your life and that's the authentic, you're not hiding anything. And, um, and I don't think it should be frowned upon so much as long as you're being responsible and, 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 and having a, and, uh, you know, not, that- not hurt anybody along the way. And, and that's exactly it. You know, it's not like I'm going out there without a mask on. It's just, listen, if I go out there, I'm going to wear a mask because I don't want to be the guy inside of a Walgreens that's buying, that's buying sunscreen for the next day. And I walk in without my mask on and somebody decides to put me on a videotape and put it on social media. You know, it's just it, that part of that part of our world is a little bit bizarre. Yeah but I get it. People are scared. People are absolutely scared about this. I, you know, my belief is I'm, I'm just not that scared. I I'm, I think I've just got a different personality. Just listen, I'm, you got to either get busy living or get busy dying. Let me ask you, let me ask you this here. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Today's game. Yeah. So we're on the T 18th at uh, TPC Sawgrass. 
And we need to yep. we need to bust a drive down there. Who who you have hitting it? We got we have to hit the fairway three hundred yards. Who's your man in today's game to hit that drive? Um, uh, three hundred yards right down the middle. Um, most people would say Rory or DJ or something like that. Um, I'm actually going to go a little bit. I'm going to go Cantley. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking Xander or or Patrick. I, but I'm going to go Patrick. I just that guy. If he, it looks to me like if he needs to do something, he damn sure gets it done. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, we're in the fairway. Um, but I'm going to push you back a little bit. Buck seventy-five. Strokes gain approach. We need a good iron shot. Who's hitting it? One seventy-five. Do we have to take a chance to get it closer? Or are we just gonna go and getting it? You know, wherever. No, we need to. We need to fit it in. We need to fit it in there. Um, you know, maybe a little cut. Fit it in there. A little cough. A little cut. That's DJ. Eight right. days a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not. That's easy. That's like probably like eight iron for him, right? Yeah, that's probably right. You know, I mean, it'd be hard <laughs> not to say, you know, it'd, it'd be kind of hard not to say Hatton. I tell you what, man, that guy can hit some mm-hmm. flat up irons. Yeah, Hatton's Hatton's the real deal for sure. All right, we're on the green. So, um, tight Patrick light. Reed. I don't care who it is. Patrick <laughs> Reed, I don't care what <laughs> kind of light. Listen, I don't care what kind of lie, and I don't want any belly aching about what, if it's a plug lie or not, blah, blah, blah. I'm taking Patrick Reed. Put me wherever you're. You can't put me in a horrible place. He'll get that sucker up, and he will hit it so close, not even I can miss it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So, seven feet to win the tournament. Who's putting it? Oh, seven feet to win the tournament. Um, down mm. Downhill, but kind of inside left. Uh, um. Oh, um, Danny McCarthy. Yeah. He's the best on tour. I'm picking him. <laughs> I listen, he's the best on tour. You know, I'm, I'm picking him. Justin Thomas would be somebody. Um, and I would even think about Jordan Spieth right now because Jordan yeah. is, uh, Jordan is back on track. He still has a, you know, a couple of hurdles to get over, I think before he gets back in the winter circle. But I tell you what, he's, he's right there and again, but yeah, there's, um, yeah, I mean, whew, he's a good player, but there's a couple of guys I'd have to kind of think about. And even Reed would be a guy to have to think about. Yeah, I would Boy. probably go. I think I would go Xander off the tee. I think I, I would thinking, go Morikawa no. with the iron. Not big, not a TPC Sawgrass. Doesn't hit it high enough. You need to get higher. You go higher. Yeah, he, that's. I mean, I, I thought about him too, but he hits a low ball and he hit a little bit higher there. Okay, <laughs> so more. So I'm one up already. So Hovland, Hovland would be all right. Oh, Hovland! Yeah, geez, that kid is awesome. Yeah, yeah he would. He he kind of he kind of launches it up there a little bit more. Yeah, he's Reed, gonna be world number one. He's gonna be world number one someday. Watch. Yeah, Reed is just you're you're right. He's just filth around the if green. You pick, you pick anywhere else, you're you're silly because yeah. that guy can just do things around the green that's just not it's not real. Just give us a little before I let you go. To go back to ninety nine. In Tiger's heyday when he was playing well. Was it was it really that understood as a player that if Tiger showed up and he had close to his A game that we have no chance in hell of beating him? You know, it wasn't it wasn't so much in ninety nine, but I would say once the millennium turn, once you get into two thousand once the two thousand hit two thousand one, yeah, when he showed up, you're just like, ah, what second place play again? <laughs> 
or I could actually do a Kevin Kisner. You know what? 20th is not a bad finish this week. <laughs> 20th pays a good amount of money. Wow. <laughs> I'd like, I'd say what I love that comment though. And he's a, he's a great character. these mm -hmm. days. Yes. He because he kind of tells you how it is it's a little bit dry and, but it's funny, but you know, it just goes to show that there's a lot of dough that these guys are playing for. Mm -hmm. Oh, who's going to put, who's going to make your putt for you? It's because you know, the seven footer. Oh, uh, JT, I, I would I, downhill left to right pressure on. Give me JT. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, he, he's a solid call. Yeah. He's uh, he just solid. can handle it. You know? Yeah. That's just it. I mean, who wants, who wants to, who wants that pressure? Who wants the ball? And he's, he's played enough against uh, Michael Jordan back, uh, back home. And, I think, and yeah, I think JT would take the ball out of someone's pocket to put it, you know? <laughs> Like, I think, you know what? I never thought of it. You're right. That's, that's a, that's a valid shout. Like he just seems like, give me the ball, you know, like I'll putt it. Like he, there's no, Hey, who wants to putt this? It's he's already, he's already got the ball down. He's already putting it. You know, like that's the kind of, um, the kind of character and the kind of, um, you know, guy that he is and competitor. So, well, it's interesting, man. I know you're, uh, you're here. Um, you're down in Orlando. We got API and then we got the players next week. Yeah. Um, and then, then Augusta and I uh, can't thank you enough for, uh, coming on here and sharing some stories, the JD bus, some of the gambling and reliving 2002. That can never get old, man. Going back PGA champ beating tiger in his prime. You always, uh, you'll always have that in your back pocket that you can cheers to. You know, funny enough. And I appreciate that. I appreciate being on Trav. I mean, it's always great to chat with you. You know, funny enough. Just one last thing is that I rarely think about who it is that I beat in the PGA. Mm. Uh, it, and, and it's, it's not, once again, I'm being, I, it, I just don't think about beating Tiger in winning the PGA, or at least I hadn't that much um, until maybe the last year or so. And I'm going, I mean, God damn, I, I beat that guy. Really? <laughs> How in the hell did that happen? <laughs> and I guarantee you, Tiger Woods wakes up every day and going, how in the world did Rich Beam ever get the best of me? But I'm sure he also says it about Y.E. Yang, you know, both the same place too. So anyways. Good stuff, man. And on that note, that is a great way to wrap it up. Hey, Rich, thank you so much. I'll see you in Ponte Vedra here in a week. Cannot wait. Let's just sit down and grab a cold one. Okay, buddy. Thank you. All right. Cheers, pal. Bye -bye.